Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. Our guest today is Megan Lash, the president of OSTA Industries and a project manager with Sagebrook Development. Our topic today is going to be the recent passage of the Affordability Unlocked Resolution by Council and what that means for the development industry in Austin and the overall community as it relates to the uh, affordability, attacking the affordability crisis. So welcome to the show, Megan. Hello, thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for being here. Um, you're someone I've known for a while in the policy world, going back to the State House and then more recently around City Hall. And before we get into the topic at hand, I'd love to give the audience just a little bit about your background to develop and I think it's very interesting. Sure, I, I originally have been, uh, moved to Austin about 13 years ago and I've been in some form or fashion of real estate development since I've been here. I started out in affordable housing about going on nine years ago and just basically fell in love with the industry and, and what we do and what we provide and, original, and eventually um, went into my own development firm and started my own company. And um, you know we've we've seen a little bit of everything. We develop all over Texas, from Longview to Tyler to Abilene, all the way to Fort Worth in the Dallas area. So we get to see a lot of neat things and and see how different city councils address the affordability issues that so many Texans face. Mm. We're actually one of your developments right now. Recording. Yes, yes, uh, very proud of yeah, it. Yeah, in South Austin, La Madrid Apartments. It's just south of Slaughter and Manchek, and we opened it last year. It has ninety five units, of which eighty five serve residents that are sixty percent area median income and below. It will remain affordable for uh, 35 years, mm -hmm. so this will be a, a good asset to the community long term. This is actually a, a property that the uh, general obligation bonds helped fund mm -hmm. uh, the last cycle's general the obligation bonds, um, 2017 election. election, was it? No, before that. It was the one the prior. Well, the prior yeah. one, before that. <laughs> the years go by so fast. Yeah. Um, so, yes, this, this is a direct result of those bonds and pretty exciting to see um, what they can come to fruition to do. Yeah, very good. Um, so getting the topic at hand, unlocking, afford unlocking affordability, I think most folks listening to the show I and mean, anyone coming to Austin knows that there is a an affordability crunch, if you will, maybe crisis in this city. And the aim, just reading the resolution um, from council, was to at least provide a set of tools for folks in, like, in your industry to better serve you know part of the community that's just really hurting for now for housing and getting into that can you just talk about some of the components components of that that um they're favorable i mean they're all favorable the ones that you're really excited about sure so the recent resolution that was passed um there's been several questions brought up on, on who can use it how how they can use it um one of the key things that i think is important for everyone to understand whether you're a neighborhood organization or in the development industry is this resolution is really designed to help enhance uh, what already occurs under the affordable housing programs used to finance these developments. In other words, um, it's really geared towards developments like the ones that we're sitting in now, La Madrid, that are utilizing a housing tax credit structure to finance the development. and. Without that housing tax credit structure, it's very difficult to provide the lower levels of affordability. The 60% area median income and below uh, units are, 
are almost impossible to provide without some form of housing tax credit mm -hmm. over a long-term period. And so what this resolution does is it essentially helps us that are already out here utilizing this finance tool to create affordability. It allows us to build what I've said a couple times now, smarter, not harder, mm -hmm. and put more units on the ground with these development funds that we're already leveraging. On the smarter end, smarter, not harder, can you give us an example of that? Sure. So one of the examples that was widely publicized the last couple of weeks um, was my Aria Grand development just off of 635, or sorry, just off of 35 in Woodland. Mm -hmm. And this is an urban infill development, one of you know the few remaining pieces close to downtown that have been undeveloped. If, for those who don't are familiar, what is urban infill? Urban so infill? urban infill is you know one of the few you know just a, a property that is close to downtown that is surrounded by properties that have already been developed. Mm -hmm. In an urban setting, like close to downtown, we are just south of the Riverside exit off of 35. Mm -hmm. um, our residents um, will have some excellent views once we are, are built. And, and of course, excellent transportation uh, options and location to amenities. That particular site, and that if located under different ordinances or developed under different ordinances, we could have built more units. I built on a similar site in Dallas, exactly 1.4 acres, the same size as Aria, and I we built 100 units. And so my point, you know, with looking at how this resolution could have helped us had it had been in place back when we funded Aria Grand, is we could have built 30 more units on that site, mm -hmm. serving residents close to the urban core. And so, um, you know, again, this resolution is really just to help enhance what is already occurring because there's 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 very limited funds available the nine percent housing tax credit program that primarily serves um, the residents that we serve there's only three to four projects a year that can get funded um, there's other programs out there like the four percent housing tax credits that are coupled with um, tax exempt bonds those can also utilize this resolution but again you know it, it, this resolution is um, not going to be used by a market rate developer necessarily that is out there um, trying to put more market rate units on the ground. Yeah. So it's it's going to be a very niche market, but it's a niche market that knows how to provide affordable housing. And so um, I feel like the council and Councilmember Kassar's staff and himself that you know originally drafted this resolution put a lot of thought into um, the metrics of affordability and they did a very excellent job. It was a very thoughtful resolution from the start. Mm -hmm. um, I sat down with Councilmember Kassar's staff back in December and um, they already had the basis of it worked out. I mean, it was, you know, I didn't have to say, oh no, no, this doesn't work with the funding available. They already understood enough of the program that they had the basic outline there mm -hmm. um, which was refreshing to see because so many times you know people have grand ideas but they don't really know how to put it into fruition and this resolution does it it truly helps what we're doing in the city of austin providing affordable housing it helps us here and there put a few more units on the ground so that way we can properly leverage these funds that we are um, all using to provide the tax credits, mm -hmm. to provide the units. Yeah, I know. So this resolution for folks who aren't familiar, the process now, once council passed it last week, it'll now, it's now going to drafting phase for an or, a draft ordinance, which will come back to council on May 9th. 
which point council will then take a final vote on it. Um, just you know, any amendments may be added to it and such and testimony, but we're looking at um, you know fairly you know in a few a few months this will be available. Um, arching over that are the discussions about a potential second try at a at a land use code rewrite. I know this would and this came up in the discussions when when Councilman Gasar rolled it out it would be um, you know parallel to that, but. With that part, just you know, we, you know, with the discussions during the last go-round of code next, you know, this resolution and the, the ordinance that come out of it is one, is one part of solving the affordability equation in Austin. With a proposed second round of a code rewrite, what would you like to see in that, just from your industry, your industry I mean, industry-wide, just where some things you're all are, would want to see besides what this this uh, this the unlocking affordability ordinance would do. I don't know if we have enough time to discuss <laughs> okay, all of those about, items. Maybe there's a show. <laughs> so, That's good too. Yeah. How many top three? So so here's here. I mean, there are so many different um, things that I see. So I, I I not only work on the funding of these developments. I live and breathe every aspect of this development or these developments. You know that we're sitting in here. And so I get to see the the good, bad, and the ugly. And some of the things. You know, one of the big picture items that I. I Kind of hit on it a little bit at council last week when I spoke, but um, this it isn't. There are many things that go towards creating an unaffordable Austin. Um, it's not just folks moving from California. Um, it's not just rising land costs. There are things that we're doing in the building community because of the land development code that make it more expensive. And they make it more expensive on me as an affordable housing developer. They make it more expensive on the single family developer and the market rate developer, the commercial developer, and that all gets passed down to the resident. Um, this property that we are sitting at today, I can walk around and show you different things that um, we experienced during the development and construction process that added over $250,000 in one fell swoop. Um, for example, the way that the code was handled on the stairwells. I've built the same building 10 times, and this is the first time I've built this building in Austin, but because of the way that the code was addressed, um, and I don't want to get into the details, but essentially it made us change our stair design and um, because it's an amendment to the land, to the IBC, mm. and Which is... the International Building Code. Mm. Um, so a city of Austin, Amendment to the International Building Code made us spend an additional $150,000 just to move the stairs. And it's the same building, the same code that's used all over the United States. Now, I don't, you know, I know Austin is special because of a, you know, for multiple reasons, but there are certain things that I feel like um, that we do that are not, are, that are harder, not smarter. Um, you know, there's a, there's there's just several examples that need um, that I could give specific, probably too specific yeah. um, on bridges and things like that that we had to build to, just to solve um, you know one little criteria in the manual mm -hmm. um, that someone wasn't you know willing to put some common sense to. <laughs> and I'm probably going to get in trouble. No, for no, this, that sounds but, like you know. That, I'm uh, going to call it like I see it. Fair enough, and I think you're, you're not alone there. Uh, just from you know, just I, I know you're not alone there. <laughs> right. Um, one thing too, you know, overall the developers in this city is have a bad or have by certain folks I think in the community are perceived a certain way, right? And I talked about this with a prior guest Terry Mitchell, who's also you know, pretty kind of involved in the affordability world. 
And I think in particular for folks who aren't aware, they think developer, they think condo tower, you know, all the kind of the things right. that they associate with being quote unquote like wrong with Austin or such and making Austin more, more unaffordable. Um, I think it's interesting to me just, and could you go into the just detail about, you know, how, I mean, how, how does the industry of uh, your for-profit affordable housing developer, how does that work? Right. For folks, just for folks who are, who are unaware of that. Sure. So, um, I think to be an affordable housing developer, whether you're for profit or nonprofit, you have to really believe in what you do mm. and you have to believe in the purpose because it is so much harder, um, with the deadlines that we have, with the microscopes that we have on even our funding application. Um, it, you really have to believe in it. And we feel like as a for-profit developer that um, we're able to provide some additional things you know, to the community. For example, our properties pay tax, um, pay property taxes. So we're putting a developed piece of property on the tax rolls. Now, that takes nothing away from the nonprofits because they do excellent work. And, and the city of Austin um, honestly has really great affordable housing developers, both in the for-profit and non-profit world. So they, they both bring something to the table. And um, I think that, you know, no matter, no matter what, the folks that are living and breathing this affordable housing business, um, we're, we're doing it because, by choice because it truly is not for the faint of heart. Um, I am happy that I am able to get up every day, work hard, make a living, and do something for the good of the community. And that's why I love what I do so much mm -hmm. and why I spend all my time up in the middle of the night working on, you know, putting together these details because we are truly creating homes um, and people sometimes forget that. Um, when I'm out meeting with communities, they sometimes, you know, just hear apartment, they hear affordable and, and they don't think of the folks that this is serving and dialing it back a notch to, you know, this is this is who we serve. This is what we're actually accomplishing. Um, it if we solve the affordability crisis and we keep people off the streets from going into homelessness, it it helps everybody. I mean it. I mean it helps even the taxes that you and I pay mm -hmm. if we're helping solve you know keeping people off the streets. And so where a lot of times we approach neighborhoods and they they think well. Affordability. I don't have an affordability problem. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to educate them on on really the overall community benefit of um, giving people in housing that they can afford is kind of the exciting slash challenging part of all of this. Very good, well, Megan. Thank you for your time. We'll get back to the work, your great work you're doing. We'd love to have you back on the show down the road. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's BG podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts.